welcome to Game Maker's Episode 184. I'm your host, Mike Epps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, sleep deprived and uh, slightly manic, Stephen McBurney, Family Master. And chilling in a country without any current crises going on, uh, your man in Japan, Michael Baker, Gaijin Monogatari. Just had to do this too. So, hey. Yes, so, I did, really, I know. So, say, I mean, uh. Yes, we're nervous watching the news, but at the same time, most of the worst is happening during our sleep periods. So, so uh, how difficult would you say it is to emigrate to uh, Japan? Very. <laughs> you know, right now, you would actually have to have a probably have a job contract in the country and a com- with a company that's willing to put through the visa issues at the moment. Um, and I'm not even you- sure if you're allowed to go to Japan right now. Um, oh probably. yeah, you can. Um, like I said, it requires a very specific set of visa, um, um, what's right here, or just hoops to jump through, and I feel like only, the- for, only for specific jobs. Um, some of the ALT positions, like English teaching, are getting fast tracked for the public school system that I know of. And then yeah, once you get, I feel here, like that's the usual to, path. Yep. And then once you get here, you get to spend the next two weeks in a hotel, probably not of your choosing. No. I mean, that's still probably not as bad as it could be. <laughs> it's better than it was two months ago. Oh, I'd imagine. Yeah. But yeah, it is really hard to get into this country right now. For good reason. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, that does remind me of the slightly sad news that uh, a relatively, like, long, long, uh, long-suffering long voice actor has uh, just been diagnosed with COVID. No. Uh-huh. He is, uh, I believe his name is Bonjo Ginga. So, so I, I don't know the, any of them well enough to be able to say. Yeah, for, for, for people who play games or who care about that sort of thing, he would probably be most known as Liquid Snake from Metal Gear Solid. Okay. Again, I don't know, but okay. Yeah, just just a voice actor with a credits list a mile long, so just kind of sad. But yeah, um, banjo ginga. Yep, banjo ginga. Oh, it was Giran Zabi in the original Mobile Suit Gundam. That's kind of a big one as well. I never thought I'd see another person with the name Banjo in this country. Apparently, it's a stage name, but yeah. No. I actually know a little kid with the name Banjo. Hmm. Yeah. Curious what kanji it's is used to spell it. I don't know, but his mom's Irish. Huh. So hmm. There may not be kanji, or there may be. Yeah. So. Hard to say. Might have been chosen because it can go either way. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And he's 71 years old, so... Yeah, so he's he's like in a bad like risk position, which is why I was thinking it was sad. Yeah. But at least he's oh, at least he's not going to have to worry about certain aspects of the healthcare service. True. Yeah, and also the hospitals probably aren't overloaded there either. Uh, um, we've got a lot of things. Hope, we hope, but it's everyone's still very nervous about that part yeah. of it. Yeah, they're they're very definitely overloaded in large parts of the U.S. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, he was also Southern, Fist of the North Star. Mm. He's in all sorts of These are of things stuff I care about. In the 80s. Oh, he was in Cobra, okay. Cobra. 
Yeah, I recognize a lot of these series that he's been, but I don't haven't actually seen a lot of them. Yeah, they're and, they're yeah. very much well liked among people that care about them. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Basically, I'm amazed if you've ever by a super how many series I actually recognize, even though I have never watched most of them. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever played a Super Robot Wars game, you have definitely heard his voice a number of times. <laughs> but yeah, Let's see. Oh, he was Crocodile in Dino Daiboken. Yeah. Okay, there's a character I actually know. Okay, cool. Uh, actually, I didn't know how major that character was, so I didn't even think to do to. Uh, he's he he's like. Um, Ooh, secondary villain heel face turn level importance. Mm, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. He's also apparently does a lot of the official Japanese dubs of like Marvel movies. He's apparently the official Japanese dub voice of Thanos. Cool. Oh, he was the mad clown character in Cowboy Bebop. Oh, that's a good one. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Kind of a big. Uh, voice acting guy so and with a lot of like unfortunate risk factors so hopefully recovers just fine mm-hmm. uh, yeah i mean japan's had a remarkably low death rate yeah the the fatality rate has been much much better than i think it has been in the u.s so yeah well you all wear masks what... over there right yeah but that's for transmission um, so I mean, yeah. the transmission rates are really low. It's just the the fatality rate in Japan is statistically lower than any other place measured. Yeah, well, yeah, like it's one of those situations where like you get better care, so you're much more likely to survive. It's that, yeah. and I've seen studies where the like just the mask wearing, even if you do catch, yeah, the amount. This is a weird a virus. Where, as far as anyone virus. can tell, the mm-hmm. amount that you take in is a heavy effect on how bad you get it. Mm. So. Yeah. That's so weird. That sounds like a video game shit. Like, Viral oh, you got double poison. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, do we want to talk about what we've been playing? Sure. Well, sure. Why not? I'm still stuck on Batbarian. Oh. Still an awesome name. Yep. Um. Thankfully, the the sec the. <laughs> Yeah, if, if you saw me in staff whinging a bit, um, the game, of course, has a trick out where the what you think is the ending is not really the ending. Mm. But the game, the game is actually happy to tell you that yeah, that entire what twenty hour of dungeon survival that you just went through was the intro. <laughs> but thankfully, the second half of the game is actually a lot shorter and more truncated. Thank goodness, because I'm not sure if I would survive another map that size. Um, the only problem is that I'm not quite sure. I mean, I know which directions I can go in. I just don't know how to actually go that those directions. So, yeah. Fun, fun. So, yeah, that's what I'm playing right now. And I will try to figure out what I'm playing next, because I've got a nice long list of stuff. And I really should not be buying anything else, but I'm still tempted. <laughs> How about you guys? 
Uh, aside from the waiting game, just like I haven't had any focus for anything, so I've just been occasionally killing things in Number no Heroes. <laughs> Nice. Which I already ranted about a lot last week, so I won't uh, belabor the point. I've mm. played that a bit, and it's obviously a lot of fun. Uh, I also <laughs> dipped into Moon a bit. Just kind of got to the point where I, I could actually like save and start playing the actual game instead of wandering around mm. as a terrible hero. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the fake Moon. Yeah. yeah. So, too early to say much about that, but I've also dug back into Trails of Cold Steel because I keep seeing people tweeting about Trails of Cold Steel 4, obviously, so it's like, I should probably start to catch up on this series, so I've been trying to dig into that, trying to finally finish Part 1, which I've been playing on and off since it came out, (laughs) Uh, and apparently I have still, like, two chapters to go in it, so... Um, yeah, there's one series I'm probably never going to start because I know I just do not have the time to invest in it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of fun, but obviously there's a lot to it. And it's, uh, I, as far as Falcom's output, I still prefer the E series, but um, uh, The Legend of Heroes is really, really good. And um, I'm glad it seems to be catching on in the West because that may mean we get some more of the games over here that we haven't in the past because some of them seem to be getting ported to Switch and whatnot. So, and given their length, these are definitely very good portable RPGs. I will say that if if I had if I had to play Part Three on PS4, which it was PS4 only for a while, I, I that would probably have been a pretty tall order. Which game? Sorry, my brain is fried. Uh, Trails of Cold Steel. <laughs> okay, I was correct in what I thought I had heard. Okay. Yes. But yeah, Cold Steel 3 and 4. It's still kind of a shame that 1 and 2 don't seem to be forthcoming yet. I think they uh, they may have announced Switch ports of those. I forget. They announced Switch ports from like a Chinese developer who has, I don't uh, think yeah. any of their ports have ever been localized. Okay. So, well, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. The, that same developer is also doing Switch ports of the Legend of Heroes 7 games. Oh, and Zero. So. I mean, hopefully we get some combination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, playing, playing these on non-portable fields not like a thing that will ever happen yeah. <laughs> for me. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's fun. And on and on and on. And numbers are uh, as huge there, but Biden is winning 65-70. Yeah, so Trails games, uh, I take it to this Fills out our what we've been playing section. Um, have I been have I played anything else? Uh, that's about it. I mean, smatterings of other things, but uh, yeah. a little more Pokemon. But that's about it. I finished finished the main quote unquote storyline to uh, 
Crown Tundra, got the new legendary, mm-hmm. which is a pretty fun quest because uh, the the new legendary um, actually talks via a, another character, like possesses him and uses him to talk in a pretty comical way. So it's it's pretty cool. Uh, and now we'll jump into that new what do they call it like star tournament mode or something. I've not touched that yet, but that's that's what opens up after you finish the main story, and there's uh, lots of other activities to keep going. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I think you could finish the base game pretty quickly, but at the end of the day, with all this extra content, um, it's going to be a massive, massive game. <laughs> So this is not uh, strictly speaking related, but I wanted to hit one of the stranger pieces of news that came up today that was very easy to get lost in the shuffle because it is by all means not at all important in any meaningful in any long term sense. Mm-hmm. Keep but, going with uh, we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we also have more to say about this for me. It's just like this is very strange, but uh see uh yeah the sony announced that the ps5 will just not be in stores at on launch day <laughs> like it can only be like you'll only be able to get it if you ordered it online uh ostensibly for COVID concerns which is quite reasonable probably about the most reasonable thing they've said or done in the past few months but yeah still a very strange thing to find out a week before something launches <laughs> It's an odd, I mean, it's an understandable decision. It's an odd one for the timing. Yeah. I would imagine that it was one of those situations where they felt kind of their hand forced. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I just, it's a weird, weird, weird world these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's uh, that's that was a weird piece of news to see sort of trickle out over the course of a day with a lot of weird pieces of news, if I'm being honest. Um, and that is maybe the only one I actually want to talk about, so we'll do that. Um, <laughs> weird, 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 weird world. Mad, 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 mad world in some ways, but uh, yeah. Uh, Okay, well, different thing. I was just looking farther through Banjo Ginga's discography here, and apparently yeah. he uh, he was the voice of Worf in every Japanese translation of Star Trek that included that character. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So, so it's always interesting to me. Like, I don't typically like you know American media gets exported. We don't import nearly so much media so the idea of like that kind of long term dubbing role is less common here yeah I mean also most of the companies that actually do dubbing are not necessarily known for their um, low turnover rates yeah consistency of casting so to speak I mean it's only been fairly recently that people actually cared or I mean 
the people in charge actually cared. Yeah, I think the... I'm trying to think of, like, who would be the longest-serving dub voice for an anime character, and the closest I can think of is, like, Sean Schemmel as Goku. Mm. He's been at that for, like, 22 years at this stage. Which was a decent run, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Just, uh... I'm glad we've slowly started to move away from a period where I remember one of the one of the like things that really laid out uh, how little this kind of consistency mattered to companies in a lot of ways was uh, the second like mainline dot hack series GU has a tie-in anime that does not have the same voice actors as the game. It, they, I think, from what I can tell, they insisted that they be dubbed at the same time, but for whatever reason, they were dubbed across the country from each other and just have entirely different casts. Very strange. Very strange. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I just, yeah, I just found a route through that I did not know existed. You must uh, resolve the way of the bat. Yes. But it also means I get to go into an area that I did not, I was not able to reach earlier. Multiple areas. Yay. Okay. I'll leave that for later. Okay, so. All right, I'm back. Yay. Hey, you're back. Let's see, anything else that this guy did? He was Killer Croc in Batman the Animated Series. Oh, that's a good one. He was Commander Chip Hazard in Small Soldiers. That, I can't even imagine what that sounds like in Japanese. Yeah, seriously. He, oh, Cheap Thunderhooves in My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. I don't think I've seen that episode. Okay, I also got here. Omega Red in X-Men. Ooh. Oh, man. That the cartoon? Oh, man. Oh, man. I should talk about this. Say what? Yeah, yeah, the, the cartoon. cartoon. But yeah, that's that's. I think the. Only, I don't think there's ever been an attempt to bring Omega Red into live action. But I should talk about this because it's actually really fascinating. Uh, one of the artists on Capcom's like Marvel and X Men games throughout the '90s and early aughts mm-hmm. uh, has been doing like this gigantic. Twitter thread info dump just talking about his time working there and how they ended up getting the license and like him apparently just being like this crazy superhero comic otaku mm-hmm. it's it's really fascinating you get some one of my favorite stories that he brings up is the sentinel that shows up in some of those games mm-hmm. they took like the base idea of like it's a big purple robot man but they like applied a lot of more mecha stylistic designs to it and moved away from the original comic which was basically just here is a giant purple man and apparently marvel was furious when they first saw it like absolutely hated it 
and they had to fly some one of like uh, Yoshiki Okamoto, who was like a big wheel at Capcom at the time, fly him over to Marvel's American head office and just have him apologize profusely. But the artists loved it, and so aspects of that Sentinel design kept showing up. <laughs> there's there's a lot of really good stories like that in there. Uh, they talked about so one of the characters that shows up in those games that's like a really strange deep cut is uh, Shuma Garath, who is. Like, I think he's a Doctor Strange villain, but, like, a really, at the time, very obscure uh, Doctor Strange villain who was pulled out of the set primarily on the basis that they wanted characters that weren't just a dude. So they pulled out Shuma Garath, and when they requested permission from uh, to use him, Marvel's response was, who is that? <laughs> they did not remember who this character was and didn't give a shit about them to the point where they offered no guidance about how they were supposed to act. Mm-hmm. So for some, so like that led to this very strange situation where it like, it has like a weird cutesy speech pattern in Japan, even though like in the comics, it's supposed to be like, I am an unknowable chaos God. I could so, actually see them giving this thing like um, something similar to Goku's voice. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I th- the thing I remember reading is that like it uses like Deshu to end a lot of its sentences. <laughs> they gave the speech impediment. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. It's, that, that's it's a that's lot. Like, that's somewhere between a childhood lisp and Elmer Fudd over here. Yeah. It's it's very non-threatening to put it to put it simply. But yeah, I that like that Twitter thread is incredible. It's full of great stories about like the weirdness of creating these games and like the kinds of pressures they were under. And then it gets weirder because then he starts talking about how after those games he transitioned. Uh, oh, oh, uh, I'll, I'll lay some groundwork because this is this was really good too. There's a bit where he's talking about how he wanted to make sure that everyone involved knew the uh, storylines and like some of the characters so they could better capture their style. Mm-hmm. So he personally just took his own copies that he had imported of the Infinity Gauntlet comics and uh-huh. translated them himself and passed them around the office. And eventually... Okay, Marvel again, started trying. Oh, hey. Marvel started trying to sell these comics. Uh, like they started trying to sell Western superhero comics translated in Japan, uh-huh. and he actually submitted his like in some of his translations. And like initially, they were like, "No, no, we got this." But he got it. In, he got a few of them in front of the right person. Who's like, "Oh, these are fit to publish. Just give us these." <laughs> and he ended up taking on a second career as guy who translates Western comics into Japanese, and he talks a bit about, like, his time translating things like Watchmen into Japanese. It's a really surreal set of stories. Like, if 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 any of this sounds interesting, there are people who have done a lot of translations of this Twitter thread into English, if you're interested, uh, you know, for the general audience. But, yeah, it's, it's very... 
It's a very interesting Twitter thread that I fully recommend seeking out. I, I was spending a lot of time distracting wheels by throwing excerpts from this thread for like three hours. It's true, and they were quite fascinating. There's a bit where he just complains about the uh, the attempt to sell a Conan the Barbarian comic in the U.S., but launching it with like a movie summary comic, or he's like, it's a, it's a nice enough comic, but it's just a movie summary. That doesn't get anyone into it. You gotta lead with stronger material. Oh, it's interesting yeah. how, uh, just, what's his name, Shumagura got into... Yeah, we, I, 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 I already told the Shumagura yeah. story. It's like, what? Which probably, like, raised that character's stature a lot. I would think so, I mean... <laughs> Again, like, Marvel's rea- reaction to them asking to use it was, who is that? So. <laughs> yeah. I'm still not quite sure who it is. I don't think I've ever seen it in a comic. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been trying uh, to work out. I, I'm almost movie. certain he's a Doctor Strange villain. Uh, he almost no has going. to be. Yeah, created by Steve Englehart and Frank Brunner. Character's name is taken from Robert E. Howard's short story, The Curse of the Golden Skull, which features a dying magician named uh, Rotath invoking the iron-bound books of Shumagarath in a curse against It sounded like a Lovecraftian item. Yeah, like it was either Lovecraft or some old Howard wizard. (laughs) Well, I mean... When you get down to it, you've got Howard involved, and then it's sort of connected to Lovecraft anyway, because they love to quote each other. It's true, it's true. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, so... That's, that's a great Twitter thread. Absolutely recommended. A lot of insight into both the creation of licensed games and aspects of uh, approval rights and all that, and a lot of interesting uh, interesting insight into the various false starts into trying to sell superhero comics translated into Japanese. Also the occasional, uh, this incredible bit early on where he just shit-talks the Konami X-Men game. <laughs> Because uh, why not, of course. Uh, like, like as a beat-em-up aficionado, I appreciated that, because X-Men is a very exciting game to play with six players, but it's a very bad beat-em-up. Mm. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that felt worth mentioning. Is Wheels still here? Yeah, I'm here. Can you <laughs> hear me? I think so. Okay, I just, yeah. I just wanted to be sure, since you've been popping in and out. Yeah. Uh, children yeah. waking up uh, and whatnot. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so there's some um, there's some comments on the last episode. Ooh, yeah. Uh, one from our uh, good friend and fellow staffer, Strawberry Eggs. Been falling deeper into the rabbit hole that is Sound Horizon albums. Sound Horizon is a Japanese band led by Rebo, who also composed the music for a certain RPG and its sequel. Coming to Switch on February 26th. In retrospect, I find it funny that a certain newish RPG series got me into my current favorite band. 
Uh, likewise, has an RPG or RPG series introduced you to something unexpected, like a musician, artist, mythology, and so forth? Uh, I feel like the only affection I have for D&D is from D&D-based RPGs. <laughs> At least, that was the genesis of it. I, I have enjoyed playing D&D campaigns in the interim sense, but like... Learning that they weren't poisoned from something like Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic was basically the only way I was going to be able to. <laughs> Anyone else? Wheels? Uh, thinking, thinking. Uh, let's see uh, other things. Um, it's not a lot of uh, famous uh, composer polls in video games. So that's, that's kind of a rare breed. Uh, certainly I like a lot of video game composers, but they aren't yeah. really pulling me into other genres. I'm just listening to a lot of video game music. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd say as far as, like, video game music, playing some games like, say, Artanelco 2 with, like, types of music I hadn't really heard before got me to oh, yeah. be just generally be interested in weirder RPGs. Just kind of through the music. And I've, like, specifically picked up RPGs just because they had a cool soundtrack and seemed like it'd be, hey, it'd be cool to play a game with this as the background music. So, I know I, I just tend to pick weird games to begin with. So it's like, okay, music, yeah. But then I find out things like, oh, Atelier Escal and Logi had an opening theme that was apparently some sort of Argentine salsa. Huh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, like you, um, I found one of the a video of it on YouTube, and there were comments in Spanish in the bomb saying, "Oh, this sounds like the music back in Buenos Aires or something." By the way, is the series she's talking about bravely default? She is talking about bravely default. Okay, got it. That's she was I just figured. avoiding the names because she knows you it would not stress you. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, yeah, uh, th that would be about what I can bring to the table. Uh, probably at least one like licensed uh, gamer RPG that uh, has pulled me into whatever its franchise is, but I couldn't think of it off the top of my head. Mm. Uh, let's see. Brain no worky, otherwise I may have thought something. Brain make people yeah. dumb. No, brain make people smart. <laughs> uh, I'll hit this other one from Dog Party. You can think about it for a second, because I don't think anyone but me is going to have anything to say about this. Yeah. Uh, have any of you played Lagaya 2? I picked it up no. in the PS2 bargain bin years ago, and I just popped it in a few weeks ago. After a somewhat rough start, I'm completely hooked on the game. It's got a little bit of everything, and I'm pretty baffled it didn't get any attention. It came out at a crowded time. Uh, like I was one of the like seven people that cared about Lagaya 2 before it came out, because it was I played Lagaya 1. Uh, it's there's a lot of things about why that one got almost completely overlooked in the U.S. and probably Japan. It came out in uh, October 2002, which, like, the, the early aughts in terms of PS2 RPGs are just stuffed to the gills, and this was one that was clearly made on kind of a lower budget. It's not 
the pretty, it was at the time not considered a particularly pretty looking game. Uh, and it was also published by IDOS for some reason. Huh. During uh-huh. the reign of their very short lived Fresh Games label. Which, uh. Okay. I don't think. I believe there were four games made under that label before they gave up. It was not. It did not last. Uh. Let's see, four, maybe five. Let me look. Okay, well, this Wikipedia article has been merged into Square Enix Europe, so thanks for that. Um, but basically it was like that R-Type Final, Mr. Mosquito and Mad Maestro and like that label immediately died They, the ads for all of the Fresh Games games were kind of bad in what capacity they existed because like they they showed the game box art in the corner, but most of it was this awful like publishing label mascot that took up essentially the entire space of a magazine ad. It was just these uh-huh. awful little like doll people throwing up controllers. It was brutally unappealing. But yeah, so that's one of the many reasons that the game was not uh was overlooked but yeah it's it's good it's it's a good uh like b tier ps2 rpg uh it would be hard to recommend seeking it out in specific over a lot of your other options but it's like very competent at what it's doing so uh uh i don't think i've ever met someone who also cared about it so let me know how you like it <laughs> Uh, I remember uh, yeah. my brother really liked the first game, but that's about the extent of my experience with it. Yeah, Legend so, of Lagaya had the benefit of being published by Sony, so it got a lot, a bit more of a boost. Yeah, I think I played a little yeah. bit of two and did not really get into it. Yeah, it's not, it's not a bad game. It takes a bit to get going, like you mentioned, but it's also kind of. Way too many RPGs in the PS2, so I can easily see why it would have gone overlooked. Especially, especially that period. I believe yeah. that's the same month Kingdom Hearts came out. Oh, jeez. Uh, and that was by no means the only RPG coming out in October 2002. <laughs> it just... It it fared better than Dual Hearts. But so did many other things. Yeah, I don't think that... Uh, that's that's going to be my personal like deep cut. If you remember, Dual Hearts existed. My cap is off to you because that was not a big game, but it was made by Matrix Software, which means that it's theoretically essentially a cutesier version of Alundra. <laughs> <laughs> it also has the d- dreamwalking gimmick, so I'm not just shit posting with that comparison. But yeah. Very. That was that did not last in terms of, you know, video game sale. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, man, I think Rondi Extreme might have been coming out in the U.S. at that time as well. Just, just a lot of PS2 RPGs. Yeah, it came out in September of 2002. Grandi Extreme came out in September of 2002. There was just a lot of RPGs. I don't 
think it's possible to think about the critical mass of like boxed shelf JRPGs you were getting at that time. That really yeah, it crowded out the, all but the largest ones. It was certainly the high point of the the entire genre. Yeah, like just inescapable for a period there. Let's see. But yeah, so that's I think that's probably about why uh, it got overlooked as it did. It was it was good, but it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this. I'm checking 2002 in video games. I'm doing it. Notable releases. I don't want notable releases. I want all releases. <laughs> Are you sure you can find all that? I can't handle it. I don't think I can find it, but oh my god, that was such a crowded. Like. That September was super crowded. So was that October. Oh, Mario Sunshine came out at that exact time oh. in Europe. So that <laughs> would explain why Europe ignored it. Uh, along with a dozen other games. Uh, let's see. Hitman 2. Some soccer games. Time splitters. Oh, this is, this is taking me back. Wild Arms 3, speaking of... RPGs that would be sucking the air out of the room for B-tier RPG fans. <laughs> a bunch of Lord of the Rings games. Uh, Mario Party. Uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Uh, why are there so many of these Lord of the Rings games? Shit. Jesus. Uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. Okay, Wikipedia. What drunkard logged in and declared Austin Powers Pinball to be a notable release? Uh, what? Oh, the the oh, finally the GBA version of Doom Two: Hell on Earth. Uh, Jet X Two O man, remember that one? Uh, oh man, that that awful Ubisoft platformer about Donald Duck as a superhero. Uh, Ratchet Clank, Robot Chemical Drive. Sorry, I'm I'm in like a dissociative fugue state. My brain is now like remembering every <laughs> okay, uh, okay, magazine okay. Let, I was reading at the time. Let's let's pull out the the list and find something else to ask so we can free him from this problem. <laughs> okay, um, okay, okay. First question I see right here: Do you prefer dating sims and RPG to be to- choice based or mini games by themselves? Hmm. Eh, probably choice based. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't to, like the the mini game stuff is often not actually that engaging, and you typically don't actually want any sort of randomization element in those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I definitely prefer choice, and as many choices as you can cram in there too, just so it makes makes it feel more. Uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for. Like more like, like you're you actually have, uh, like you're actually agency. making a difference. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, there. It's possible to, to get that wrong though, because I'm remembering a PS1 game called Athea, where um, like it would give it would have a 
like a random conversation pop up like every 10 steps in some dungeons where you were talking to one of the characters and had to choose a good option or a bad option. And literally 99% of the time, the first option was the good option. So it was like, like dozens upon dozens of completely pointless conversation prompts oh, that were getting in the way on maps that already had too high a um, an encounter rate and a uh, formation-based battle system that constantly started you off with monsters attacking from behind or the side, so you had to waste a t- round in order to turn around and fight them properly. Oh, fun. Yeah. Okay, so okay, let's get okay, one more off the uh, long ass list here. <laughs> the beautiful list, the incredible. Yes, it list. is. Yep. Let's see farther up here. Okay. Ooh, okay. Let's see. Okay. Okay. Here's a different one. Do you have a favorite size when it comes to video game boxes and cases? Hmm. Uh, somewhere between like switch case and DVD case. Any of those yeah. are fine. I really like the switch bigger than case that. No, nice I don't nice. want it. Smaller yeah. than that, and they start to feel unsubstantial. I'm looking at you, Vita boxes. Oh, what I meant to say was Saturn. It's the perfect case size. You do not love those long boxes. <laughs> no, you aren't them. even going to pretend. That. They crack easily. They suck. They're the worst. The PS1's early boxes are very similar, and they just break constantly. Yeah. And the, uh, the PS1 PS, cases, PS are, cases. Yeah, the smaller PS1 cases sucked, too. The, the, the main the CD cases? cases yeah. The ones that you could just wrap up in, in uh, wrapping paper and mail them directly as a package. Those were nice. That, that was a good benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, ones I also uh, hate I, are PS4 because I have had so many games like gotten through the mail where the disc is like dislodged. Yeah, I don't know just, what causes that, it's but it's very some, common on the it, PS4 yeah, box. It's something, something to do with how that case is designed. Something about the way those fasteners yeah. work. Not recommended, but yeah. yeah. Maybe the weird-looking PS5 cases will be better. Maybe. They look like they're just PS4 cases, but colored differently. Yeah, they probably are. Good old Sony. (laughs) Sony, they bad at this. Yeah, um... <sighs> yeah. Um, trying to think other cases that stood out to me. I do want to point out nice. that the what cases? Vita, like Vita and DS and 3DS. Oh, way all... too small. Those are the ones I don't like. Okay. Was... Also, also disinterring a Vita cartridge out of those damn things is. <laughs> That's fair. Just made them easy to store. The small size. They were nice and storable. That's true. 
but but yeah, but they the, feel insubstantial. I think the they are a little the, too much. The 3DS cases were kind of the sweet spot for me. Yeah, I did appreciate them being thinner, except the. Oh yeah, have you ever seen a European DS case? Yes, they're very different for some reason. Yes. I don't know why they're different there. I think that the U.S. and Japanese ones are very are the same because I've got a few Japanese games and they look exactly the same. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why the European ones are different. It's very strange. They're much thicker for no discernible reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I need to close this thing because I keep looking at weird old 2002 video games. (laughs) Please, please, please stop. Save yourself. No one, listen, I'm just going to say no one was buying a fucking Gremlins game on their Game Boy Advance in 2002. I don't know why it happened. Is that the year Final Fantasy X came out? That is. You are thinking late 2001. Okay. I'm thinking Slash 2002 and Gremlins? Okay. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, there was when, a Gremlins GBA game in 2002 because GBA Gremlins was where you took all the licenses that were cheap and made them shit. Huh? Wasn't Gremlins 2 like the mid 90s? There was a early uh, 90s. There was an not NES older. game I played. Yeah, Gremlins 2: The New Batch came out in 1990. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. At, at the time, it had been 12 years since the Gremlins movie, with no new one in sight. <laughs> so I don't know why. <laughs> But Somebody had the licensing game. rights and wanted to exercise them before they ran out. The only thing I can think of is that yeah, I would I would like posit that it was in fact that they had essentially like a contract with a development company and wanted and sought out a very cheap license to give the game a bit more visibility. Yeah. So. We'll never know. None of us will ever play that game because why the hell would we play that game? Mm. Yeah, so, you know. Uh, Don't look at 2,000 some odd video games. Yeah, don't, don't look at 2,002 video games. You will see a... You will you will learn too much, like staring into the abyss. <sighs> okay, let's see. Okay, let's mark that one off. Okay, let's see. Your choice for the best RPG spinoff of an existing franchise. Mm, that's a good one. Um, Are we talking game franchise or franchise in general? Um, I'm assuming franchise in general because it's not too common for a, an existing game franchise to just splinter off an RPG. There were there were times where this would happen, though. There's that canceled yeah. bonk RPG. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, Knights of the Old Republic is kind of a really good. That was kind of the one, one I was thinking of. Yeah. Like, that's just in, all around a smart way to do that. Like, 
keep yourself far away from any established material, so there's lots of room to do your own storytelling and a player to make their own character. It, it's, it's just extremely well put together and well thought out. And uh, yeah, it's very good. Kotor <laughs> yeah. would be the the pull for me, like a game that would still be great even if I didn't know what a Star Wars was. That's yeah. how you do it. Oh. Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. This is kind of this is kind of a oh. weird one, but I think it's still an RPG, and that would be Dragon Quest Builders. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of shunting off the series into a lighter RPG and like a Minecrafty genre. And still I think the best Minecraft clone out there. Because it really did a great job of taking all the building aspects of that series and all the creativity you can do with that and mix in a really, really fun like story and adventure where you know, there's strict goals to complete, and it's it's really good. Yeah, I'm just thinking about the various anime spin-off RPGs I've played. Were there any worth mentioning? Let's see. Oh, uh, Fairy Tale. No, I haven't played that one yet. No, I have. It's uh, I mean, it's definitely a Gust RPG set in the Fairy Tale universe, but that's pretty fine so it's a good one i was thinking the sergeant frog rpg oh yeah that's one of your a- aka tales of frogs <laughs> yeah as i i still count that as the fourth tales game on the ds and it certainly is i mean it was made by namco tales studio which is more than two of them can say yep i mean when i when i reviewed innocence i actually um linked all three three other Tales games and at the front is like after going through the good, the bad and the froggy, uh, we have the mediocre. So, yeah. And I think that game was very wink, wink, nudge, nudge about being essentially a Tales game that was starring Sergeant Frog characters. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, whack you over the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is also the game that, Put shade on Dragon Quest's main character classes just for the hell of it. Why not? Yeah, it's like had the in- keep at the or had the innkeeper going on about the riffraff and naming them off as like the ranger, the fighter, the basically all of the dra- all of the Dragon Quest Nine character classes. <laughs> mm. Specifically, you know, because they could. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do appreciate that even Famitsu's excerpt was apparently basically it's Tales of Kerado. <laughs> yeah. It is, in fact, yes. Very much. That's, that's a good one. One day, one day I'll try playing it. Japanese and it can't be that hard. There's probably a lot of puns or some shit I won't get. Oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, well, if you ever want to try it, it's like about 25 bucks at the used store over there. That's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, Trying to think of any, like, outstanding ones otherwise. Are there any good 
Dragon Ball Z RPGs. Monolith Soft made one that I've that is purported to be pretty solid. Uh, Dragon yeah. Ball Z Attack of the Saiyans, I think. It's for DS. Is that is that the one that allows you to do the merge dance with anybody? No, that or is, that the is 3DS the one? more recent 3DS one. Which yeah. also seems like people like it, so... I'm just glad the Dragon Ball Z RPGs don't all have to be card games anymore. There was a long, dark period where they were all that. Dark. Doesn't sound very dark. Because you're buried under dark card period. stock and you can't actually see anything. <laughs> I feel like we also should point out there was no actual deck building mechanic as far as I can tell. <laughs> okay, fine, fair. At which point, it's like, why do the card shit? Don't do this to me. <laughs> like, there, there are aspects of like deck building that I think can be interesting. I like the command deck in Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep and Dream Drop, Drop Distance. Yeah, that was really well done. I mean, like even Chain of Memories is kind of cool. Like I'm not good at it, but I like it. It's a good, interesting like risk reward that doesn't require you to memorize card interactions. So, but yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, oh, there was there were so many of them. Tosei just had like this card game RPG template that they made a bunch of Dragon Ball and the <laughs> North Star games in. I've ranted about this before. I'm still angry about it. Uh, but yeah, there's some there's some good there's some pretty decent Dragon Ball RPGs. Uh, they were called on Fist of the Card Star or Card of the North Star. No, it's not even called that in Japan. Yeah. Uh, what's the other thing I was going to bring up? Uh, oh, this this one's kind of shameful, actually. Like, uh, grand prize of missed potential for the fact that there's no, like, real Full Metal Alchemist RPGs that I'm aware of. Mm. Which... A special grand prize for that, because that was a manga published in a magazine owned by Square Enix. I mean, there are multiple RPGs for the series. I've played one. The ones and that came over here were just beat-em-ups. Uh, well, the one I played for Game Boy Advance was card-based, but it was... Um, no, no, just card-based for the main character, because that was how he managed his alchemy. Uh, that kind of works. I can see that. Yeah, and so it was like just putting the combinations of cards together to create attacks. Mm-hmm. So every everyone else had different mechanics involved. That's kind of so, neat. Yeah. But yeah, I just remember like in America, all they released were beat 'em ups, and it was like Square Enix owns this. Why are none of these RPGs? <laughs> yeah. So. Mm. Oh, and Quintet made an RPG for it a while back, too. Huh. It would have been right when Quintet was very depressing, so I'm kind of curious now. Yeah, I mean, it was its other last RPG. Uh, poor, poor Quintet. Uh, I mean, there's like an endless parade of uh, very bog standard like uh, low budget RPGs for Shonen properties in like the 90s and ups and probably into the 10s. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Some of them are better than others. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them could have been better, but are not that bad. Yeah. And Wikipedia is claiming that uh, the poor quintet was forced to make a uh, a Inuyasha game from like 2004 that is reputed to just be absolute dog shit. Yeah. Poor quintet. Uh, you start, you formed from an East Exodus, and look where you ended up. It's tragic. Okay, wait a minute. This isn't the same list I'm thinking. Um, okay, wait a moment. Okay, so this one has Battle Hoshin, but it doesn't have the other one. Okay, this is not the complete list. What happened here? It doesn't have the other... But um, Hoshin Engi game. Huh. Okay, it has it listed here on the Japanese page. That doesn't surprise me that the Japanese page is more updated. Yeah. They helped. They did work on Atelier Lily. Okay. Huh. Huh. Didn't help the game much, but okay. <laughs> Imagine what it would have looked like without them. Yeah. Which one is that? So. Lily, it's the uh, it was the first of the PlayStation Two games that oh, okay. so, um, Gus did, and it's how did I describe it? Um, I think it's one of the broken the, ones. It was the it was the most massively broken one. Um, oh man! It was like on the cusp between um, like when Gus was knew that they really wanted to add more story and stuff in there, but they weren't quite sure how to do it. Yeah, it was yeah. Okay, maybe, okay. I guess they didn't. I thought I thought they had done a Full Metal Alchemist game in here somewhere. Maybe I got it mixed up with something else. Wouldn't surprise me. There's a lot of maybe I just got weird. confused with Inuyasha. <laughs> Artanelico. Huh. Yeah, the first one. Sakai Sakai no Awari. The girl who continues to sing for the end of the world? Uh, that sounds like the first one. It was Bandai. Um, listen, you're guest in Bandai Namco, and so they worked with Bandai Namco for this. Uh, this was uh, Melody of Alemia. Yeah, that's definitely the first one. Yeah, that's the right way. The second one was huh. then. Metal, Melody of Metaphalica, I thought. Yeah, that's the second one. First one was, I think, Melody of Eternia or something. And the third one was Garbage, so... Artanelico Koga. I did not play the third one. Well, Quintet uh, actually lasted a lot longer than I thought it did. Because, I mean, the last listed game here is Soul Eater. Oh, man. Princess. Speaking of... Uh, speaking of... Auth- uh, anime. Yeah. What was slapstick? Oh, never yeah. mind. That was Robotrek. Uh, <laughs> oh man, Robotrek. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one too. Where oh, that every one. every major battle was 
nickel and dime, nickel and dime. Oh, yay, critical hit for 500. Uh, it's just a question of who rolls a crit first. Yeah. Also, calling it slapstick is... I have a lot of questions. Yeah. I guess it was supposed to be a joke, so I guess the critical hit shit was probably a prank on the player, but... I mean, we're also talking about a game where the localization was messed up to the point where one of the side characters had four different spellings of his own name. Oh, I remember Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't think I, don't... I actually finished playing that game, but I made it quite a way through, and I was just thinking, this is, like, there's so many things that just feel wrong with this localization, or... Translation. I don't think they actually localized. It doesn't feel like a good a good way to experience the game. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so that's uh, that's the tragic end of Quintet, which we have gone down. That road many times because we're still very broken up about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, alas, poor Quintet, we knew you well. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, okay. Here's one that seems to be, be just made for wheels. Oh, boy. Could the Saturn have been more competitive had it attracted more RPG and sports developers, or was the PS1's hold too strong thanks to Square and EA? Uh, I mean, Sega kind of screwed the pooch regardless of what games were on the system to begin with, so... Um, <coughs> yeah. It would have been like... tough, but... Um, I mean, if they had, like, say, I don't know, their own version of Final Fantasy VII on there, um, mm. maybe some other stuff like that, it's possible... I feel like you could make it more competitive. I don't think you could ever make it competitive. No, yeah. It could it's have one been, of those situations. It could have like, been a nice, like, decent little platform instead of a complete failure. In the U.S., anyway. Yeah. I mean, the like the M64 carved out a niche for itself, even though the PS1 clobbered it. So. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it like had there no, was space for that. It's not like it had no sports games on there either. I. Played a ton of uh, his quarterback NHL attack with there. Mike Ditka. Uh, yeah, Sorry, I forget what year NHL was, but it still had the Whalers in it, so it was a good game. So it was in good enough. Opinion. Yes. Uh, I think the thing that I would bring up in those terms would be what's the other? Uh... Oh, uh, the thing I was going to bring up is. The, the Saturn was always going to suffer from its essentially fundamentally irreducible cost. Hmm. Like, its motherboard was so complicated that they... Like, a lot of times when a game system uh, goes down in price, there's been some sort of internal revision that makes manufacturing it cheaper. Hmm. And, like, some of that is economies of scale. Like, you're making so many of them that they're cheaper. And some of that is just, like, you know like, things getting cheaper to produce as the techniques around them get cheaper. So, like, you know, as technology improves, the older technology tends to get cheaper to produce if it's based off of something, which Saturn wasn't, so it's kind of moot. But the motherboard was so complicated, they couldn't really make simplifications to it, which kept manufacturing expensive on the Saturn. So, I think that 
Like, that's why when the PS1's going down in price, the Saturn's responding by, like, bundling in, like, more and more games, but keeping the price the same and trying to make that, like, a decent user proposition. Like, by the end, you were getting... If you bought a Saturn, they were going to sell you uh, the most recent... One, one of the, like, three most recent updates of Daytona USA, Virtua Daytona. Fighter 2, Nights into Dreams, and probably a Panzer Dragoon game. And it was just like, just just keep stuffing them in there because we can't, like, we're just going to have to give the games away because we can't make the console cheaper. And I, I think that, like, certainly consumers enjoy getting a bundled game. I don't think that, that like, the, the fact that the Saturn was more expensive and stayed more expensive and basically never got anywhere near the depths of price uh, breaks that the PS1 got was just kind of always going to doom it, even if it had better support. That's just me. Uh, like, the, this is assuming, of course, that, like, a Saturn with better support doesn't drain off PS1 support. Mm. But there's, there's just a lot of big questions there. I mean, a lot of why the Saturn did better in Japan is that a lot of what it was good at doing was something that still had an audience in Japan. Like, Sakura Tyson certainly did numbers in Japan, and I don't think you could sell a dating sim tactics RPG in, Japan, in America at that time. So, and, of not. course, uh, just the propensity for 2D games. But, hey, I would have liked to have seen, like, a just incredibly shitty dubs of... Uh, what do you call them? Incredibly shitty dubs of Gata Sanshiro ads. That would have been good. Alternatively, it would have been extremely racist. <laughs> yes, but it would have been extremely racist by, by the Japanese. Yeah, Not it would at, have at least Japanese, been... by them. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh... So, yeah. Uh... That's, that's kind of long and short on the Saturn. I think we, we've touched on this one before and we forgot to mark it off, but it's fine. It's yeah. an, it's a rich subject and it merits revisiting. <laughs> yeah. well, I know we did the next one after that. So let's see here. Okay, anything else that's... Are there any RPG franchises like Busby in that it ran for a long time but no one seems to like it very much? Hmm. Uh, I can't think of any franchises. Like, I've seen Cole following for a lot of stuff. <laughs> like, if you'd asked me a little more than 10 years ago, I would have said Kingsfield. <laughs> like, just a lot of RPGs that, like, have, like, the the more internet I get exposed to, the more it's like, oh, these have fans. I don't know them, but they <laughs> exist. <laughs> yes. Somehow these games have fans. Yeah. And it's like, eh, I'm not... Not going to get into an argument with you unless you start, uh, unless you unless you really want to get into a debate about their merits. But 
Yeah. Um, either of you got any? I mean, I feel like for a lot of people, the answer to that, if they didn't already listen to this podcast, would have been Saga Games until fairly recently. Mm. <laughs> True enough. Super long running, and for a long time, essentially no Western fandom to speak of. Yeah. Let's see. Um, the Hercules series. Oh, Glory of Heracles, yeah. That just sort of sort of kept happening. We only ever got one of those, right? We got the DS one, which I think is a remake of one of the very old ones, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's a remake of the second or third one. Yeah, one of the more well-liked ones, I think. Uh, Square Heracles, I feel like at this point, is probably more notable just for... I believe it was written by the several of them were written by Kazushige Nojima, who has written a number of Square's crazier storylines, up to and including Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, involved in the Kingdom Hearts games. Uh, you can tell that. Uh, so I, I like some of these because you get into like the weeds about what some of these credits actually mean. Because like a lot of these have like scenario writer, but then like you get to FF13 scenario concept. <laughs> it's like, hmm, okay, well I presume that means like, that you sort of gave them an outline and then they went from there, or at least an idea. <laughs> but who knows? Oh, this this also this very good one from FF15. Original story plot. <laughs> so that's you get some some weird credits when you start digging into those. But yeah, I think that might actually be Glory of Heracles' most lasting legacy, at least among English speakers. Is oh, the guy who wrote those also wrote some of the biggest RPGs ever. Uh, there was that period like in the 90s that like most every company had to have like some ongoing RPG franchise that like might not have a really any sort of following but it consistently sells well enough that it keeps happening uh, so if you probably poke around like really obscure Japanese developers with names like Culture Brain. Uh, <laughs> you might find something. I'm I'm edging on whether to count something like the Super Chinese games as RPGs. There are RPGs in them. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not sure if they really count, but just one of those things where like there's just like all these obscure companies that made like that might have only that made like a bunch of RPGs, but like none of them really had a huge fandom. They just sort of consistently sold well enough to keep them afloat and making one more game. Neptune. Okay. Say what? I was gonna say it reminds me of Neptune. Oh yeah, I've met Neptunia fans. <laughs> uh, 
I don't understand them, but I've met them. What? I'm not a fan. Come on, I didn't say you. Oh. Um. Carry on, then. Okay. Anyway, I just managed to get the bad, or the, uh, what's right here, the lazy ending on Batbarian. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering how this lazy. game measures time on its clock, because I know I have not played 480 hours and 43 minutes of this. I'm guessing it just, the clock doesn't stop when you have it in sleep mode. So. <sighs> you know what, I have in fact had it for about 20 days and have not really turned it off. I've just kept been, I've just been putting it in sleep mode. That's normal. No. <laughs> oh, well, I can just go back to the live. Just auto save and yeah, and ooh the the uh... so um if you're trying to escape the dungeon just directly mm -hmm. getting to the exit there is one room in the way that is like you have to keep hitting these gears with stones and to get the platforms to come out long enough for you to jump through them. Mm -hmm. And it is... Let's write a word here. Um, so on the Steam page, somebody posted the screenshot in French. Mm -hmm. And the French translates as, Are you bleeping serious? Mm -hmm. Wow. From, from French. Vous êtes sérieux avec ça? Les développeurs sont vraiment sadiques. C'est pas possible. It's like... The, are you serious with this room? The developers are really are sadists. This is not possible. I spent an hour in this room. I rage quit for good. As it turns out, the French verb for rage quit is in fact rage quit. <laughs> Loan words are important. Yeah. It's like the time I was writing a writing a character that was Italian in origin and had to ask a friend how do you say friend zoned in Italian it turns out to be to have been frenzonato <laughs> <laughs> like that is very convenient Charlie oh uh, thank you thank you I don't have much call for that word but thank you <laughs> yeah oh well so at least I can tell Sev that I did get an actual ending on this game now so I can probably write a review Look forward to that, listeners. While figuring out how to go a different route, because I had figured that that was actually the way to the next story point, but no, it was not. It was the way out. Hmm. Hmm. So anything else? And uh, as a note for as a note going on forward, um, you guys have daylight savings time. I Correct. don't. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Which is why if if I had actually had a sixth period class today, I would have been on for about half an hour. <laughs> so. Yes, everybody, enjoy your daylight savings time. Yeah. <laughs> I know I am not. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't understand why we still do this, but whatever. 
Now just go back to John Oliver's segment. Why is this still a thing? Yeah. Uh, do we want to keep going, or are we too burned out? Uh, maybe one more. Okay. Okay, guys. So a different question here, then. What is your comfort RPG? Hmm. Uh, I mean, most recently it's been Breath of the Wild. That's fair. Where I can just fire that up and not even have a specific goal. Just wander around and explore and just have fun. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a good go-to. Other than that, it's usually like like a roguelike game where you know I could just go in and do a fresh run and mm-hmm. get right into something. So obviously, Hades will probably be a bit of that. But you know, like uh, Slay the Spire has been that for me recently, and uh, Chocobo Dungeon. So that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah, Breath of the Wild's kind of been a big, big one since it came out. I've repeatedly gone back to it whenever I just need a comfort RPG. I have found little solace or quarter in the past while, so I'm having to think about this. <laughs> uh, I... I tend to like Persona games for this because they give you the semblance of a stable schedule. Like, just the pretend schedule makes me feel more calm. (laughs) So, something like that. Yeah. Okay, well... Obviously, I'm I'm re- chilling and relaxing by stressing out over Batbarian. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing to stress out over. Yeah, is like, kind of stress is the kind you can walk away from. <laughs> like, so guys, if if you like 2D side-scrolling RPGs that are theoretically Metroidvania but more Mario Maker two, um, <laughs> yeah, um, it has some very nice tight platforming, and I'm very happy that my joysticks have not completely crapped out on me at this point uh, because otherwise some of these last few dun- rooms would not have been possible <laughs> so um but it's it's been an entertaining run so far and so if you really if you enjoy this type of game i would strongly recommend it yeah that's good to know uh, okay. <sighs> Let's see. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any others I might have. Yeah, it's not, it's not really common to me at the moment. So, I might be tapped unless someone has really obscure video game knowledge they desperately need. Hmm. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I guess plugging time. Yeah, yeah, I was waiting for you to get your shop. Sure, sure. Let's see, well... Was, oh, where did he write this? It was... No, never mind, it was the podcast section he put this in. Fire Miner. Okay. Fire Miner. Michael, I actually managed to scrub up enough time to finish the second episode, and it is still a pleasant to go through. It is still pleasant to go through your work. I like how you step up the threat nicely and just right, and managed to weave in some character development. But more importantly, I went into this book expecting the normal shenanigans, you know, Power Gamers and Leroy Jenkins. But reading about a group of normal girls hanging around and playing RPGs is nice, too. It's something I see I would give to my children if I ever have them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I saw like, that. I was happy that. Uh, yes. I'm like, please, dude, leave this as a review on some place. Okay. Amazon's any place that has reviews likes reviews because it helps it sort the algorithm and thus just getting reviews tends to push you up the algorithm. Yes, I could really use it, people. Speaking of, if you listen to this podcast on anything, maybe leave a review there too. Yes. (laughs) But yes, uh, maybe prioritize if you've read Princesses of Pizza Parlor. Leave a review for that on Amazon. I wonder if we have any reviews. (laughs) Yes. And in, the book section, <laughs> and in the book section, a user Hyloth picked up the first book to, um, to check through before giving it to his 10-year-old daughter. Nice. And I'm like, yeah, I've got a 9-year-old cousin who apparently really enjoyed the first six episodes so far. <laughs> yes, she's waiting for the next paperback collection to come out. So, which, working on that, working on that. Unfortunately, my, my I was... My dad's been helping me make the covers, put the, putting the covers together. And his section of Oklahoma City is still under blackout. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, from blizzards. Yay. Oh, wow. We have two negative reviews. We did. Oh, really? I'm sure. Uh, yikes, they know their stuff, but this is hard to listen to. Listening to the Romancing Saga episode, one guy nervously laughs after he says anything, and another talks like Shelley from South Park. Okay, yeah, which, which of right. us is he talking about? I, <laughs> uh, I think we all have a propensity for nervous laughter, so that could literally be anyone, and I've never watched enough South Park to know who they're talking about. So That's actually from this year. <laughs> and yeah. See back from 2017. Needs to use mute button. Needs to stop eating and drinking and heavy breathing and smacking lips into the mic. Nice to do some work Listen, and turn up the sound. This is a low budget operation. Yeah, for the love of God. One day it's my dream to have the kind of cash I can put towards having a microphone that doesn't suck, yes. but today is not that day. Also, we're marked with clean lyrics. I'm very confused by that. I don't know what that means. I assume it means there's no swearing. <laughs> we abandoned that motto. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> well. Uh, yeah. So yeah, can't win them all. Uh, if you feel like leaving feedback, positive or negative, uh, we'd probably Preferably appreciate positive. it. We might feel embarrassed about it, but. Uh, but more importantly. Uh, Princesses of Pizza Parlor, available on Amazon as a Kindle or paperback. 
and findable by searching for author Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Yay. Third paperback still forthcoming? Yep, just need to get the um, get the cover worked out. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of ways for that part of the process to sort of hang up and drag for a bit. Mm-hmm. Figuring, figuring out just how long the paperback actually is and having to readjust parts. Mm. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, so that's... Uh... That's all, folks. Yeah, that's all, folks. Yeah, you know we were all going to go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See ya, Space Cowboys. See ya. Oh, wait. Wait, before we stop. Yeah. Leave yes. questions in the comments section. Or leave them in the our podcast section of the Discord. Thank you. See ya, Space Cowboys. Dear me, I confess.